everybody, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe. I'm back after a couple of days respite. Uh, we're recording before the end of the Mavericks-Grizzlies uh, game, but they're getting the crap kicked out of them, so I'll tell you the score at the end. Um, Josh, let's just go right to you. This, uh, this was uh, an interesting game uh, right up until it wasn't. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was an encouraging start. Uh, it really looked like the point, like midway through the first quarter, where it felt like the Mavs are maybe not going to run away with it, or but it like felt like they were going to build out a big lead. And then I think there was a sequence in the first quarter that I to- I told you earlier that stuck out. Dorian Finney Smith missed a wide open open uh, corner three, which is a shame because he's been so good from there. Then he got that steal and got obliterated on a block by Jared Jackson Jr. And then the next possession down, he had a turnover on kind of a bad dribble drive. And after that, the game just kind of got, you know, the Grizzlies just kind of got right back into it. I think the Mavs were up, you know, around five or seven and looking to push it up to, to eight, 10, 11, you know, before that, that sequence. So that was a shame. And then, you know, you're thinking, okay, they're hanging around and the Mavs were probably, maybe they'll just make a run. And then, man, that third quarter, like, that was – I said on Twitter, but that was a curb-stopping uh, of a third quarter. Like, that was that was a swift, swift death for the Mavs in the third quarter. Yeah. I. So, I want to talk about the game specifics, but, you know, I also want to pull back first and talk about really the big picture. So, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer tweeted this. The Memphis Grizzlies in the last year drafted Ja Morant, traded up for Brandon Clark, dealt Mike Conley for Jay Crowder in a future first, acquired DeAnthony Melton to take on Josh Jackson, just got another first to take on or uh, to, to get Andre Iguodala, which who sat the whole year and they're trading him at the moment, and they flipped Iguodala for Justice Wislow. That is incredible. The Grizzlies are in a fantastic spot, and even without a couple players tonight, they were really primed to just kick the crap out of the Mavs. Now, you know, with, with the injuries that the Dallas is facing, you know, Dwight Powell's out for the whole year. Luke is out with a uh, with with his ankle sprain. Seth Curry's out with his knee issue, and JJ Bray is out with an ankle issue. You know, Bray is kind of a, a smaller you know piece of the puzzle there. But the Mavericks have have really been kind of fighting the tide for a while, um, and it, this was. It's a really frustrating game in the sense that, you know, they lost another one at home. They're barely over. They're a game over 500 at home, which is preposterous. But this, you know, this was a game they were they were set up to, to, to lose. I, I don't want to be that dark about it, but the Grizzlies are playing outstanding basketball. Anybody who didn't know that doesn't follow the NBA that closely. Uh, over the last 15 games, they have the third best defensive rating in the league. And it really showed why tonight. They play physical. They're long. They're they're tall, with the exception of Morant, and and they just kind of keep coming. Um, the third quarter is really where it fell apart, and why it fell apart had more to do with the Mavericks roster depth. Uh, Willie Cauley Stein, we got a great preview as to why he absolutely sucks um, <laughs> and has sucked for multiple teams. Yeah, uh, he in in one three, it it was. You know, two offensive possession, no, uh, two defensive possessions and an offensive possession. He fouled a three-point shooter who completed the four-point play. He just traveled in the middle of the floor, no one near him, and then he fouled another guy at the rim. So the the Grizzlies essentially scored seven points in two possessions, all because of him. 
Um, you know, he's not the only the, the only person at fault. The, the, the entire bench unit was absolutely heinous. You, know, you check out the plus minus for the night. The game uh, is about to wrap up here. DeLon Wright was a negative 35 in 21 minutes. Jackson, you know, the uh, 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 Justin Jackson, you know, the Mavs terrible Jackson, who we're going to circle back on later, was a negative 20 in 14 minutes. Uh, it's just, you know, Ryan Brokoff, who's starting to get more opportunities, was awful. Negative 17 and, and 12 minutes. So there's just, This is one of these games where things get out of control in a hurry, but it really highlights just how tenuous some of the Mavericks uh you know, just how tenuous this this whole situation is for Dallas right now. We're really lucky that February, they actually have kind of a weak schedule. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you take away Luka and you take away Dwight Powell. You take away two starters on a team that kind of feels like a strength and numbers team outside of Kristaps and Luka. And you're absolutely right. Like, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein, Powell's replacement was horrible. And you move up the minute, you know, oh, and no Seth Curry, which is huge. You know, that means, you know, other guys have to play a little bit more. There's a little bit less shooting uh, in those bench lineups because, you know, Wright was really bad and Wright usually comes into the game with Curry uh, when the team's healthy and Curry's spacing kind of negates a little bit of, of Wright's weaknesses as a, as a shooter and as someone who kind of lacks a burst, you know, Curry can kind of spread the floor and, and Wright can kind of maneuver in that space that's created by Seth just standing on the floor. So that's gone and that, that makes Wright's game, you know, a little bit tougher. And then, yeah, they need, man, the, the backup wing spot got so bad that Antonius Cleveland got real minutes in the third quarter before it went all to hell in a handbasket. And that just kind of goes to show, like, after Dorian Finney-Smith, that's that's it in terms of, like, true wings on this roster uh, besides Luka. And, you know, they've got Tim Hardaway Jr. and Delon Wright, but you, those are more guards. You know, they really, they really keep another wing and – I want to pivot into another kind of broader picture real quick. Like this is just another one of those games where, you know, the Mavericks defense, I think they were 17th coming into tonight, but man, it's when they're good, it feels like they're all playing together and they're playing smart. And it's not necessarily that they're kind of overwhelming you. It's just that they are making smart decisions on the defensive end in terms of scheme and being in the right place at the right time. They're never, with the way the roster's built and the players they have, they are not a team that you will feel really on defense, if you know what I mean. Like, just from a physical presence, they do not hamper what you really want to do on offense. Uh, they're, they're so, it's so predicated on them playing together, playing on a string, all rotating at the right time, all five guys on the floor being bought in at the same time. And it in games like tonight, you can just kind of see where when it, when it's not there, it just looks really bad because they just don't have enough. They don't have any guys on this roster outside of maybe you know Finney Smith, a perimeter guy that can kind of knock someone on their ass or make the game really tough. Or you know when you play against the Mavericks, when you're playing against their defense, I I doubt teams like man, you know we really felt them tonight. Like they really they got in our they got in our jerseys and they they really forced us to do things we didn't want to do. It more feels like the Mavs are just kind of like, okay, we're going to play the math game or we're going to try to, you know, limit your threes and just give up more mid-rangers. And, yeah, when it doesn't work, it just looks bad like tonight. Like, man, what, that was 21 to 3 or or something to end the third quarter? Like, no, it was 27 to 9. Ooh, that's even worse. And it's it's like it's like Memphis was playing against, like, a, like a practice, like a preseason game. Like, the, it just – they were just – 
walking into wide open shots. And so it's just the Mavs defense when it's when it's on, it's it's a little bit above average. But when it's off, man, it is it is really, really tough to watch. Yeah. Okay, guys, we'll be back after a quick commercial break to talk about a few more things we hated and maybe actually talk about some of the good things because there were a few. Okay, guys, it's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you again after the Mavericks fell to the Memphis Grizzlies 121-107. to um, I want to highlight a few more things that were just kind of frustrating to me. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is 3 of 13. He played real hard. He was a net, you know, kind of a he was a uh, plus minus a zero, which means you know, despite his poor shooting, you know, the Mavs were were did okay with him on the floor. Anytime you know you, you're missing Doncic, Curry, uh, it, you're not gonna. It, it's really hard to win if only you know two guys in this case Brunson and and Porzingis were scoring the ball. Everybody else was pretty bad, uh, yeah. and you know, Hardaway's become one of these players who is really kind of the bellwether for Dallas. If, if he's playing well, they're going to win. And if he's not, they're going to have a hard time. Um, past that, I, I, I'm to the point to where I, I've been kind of ranty about this in the past, but I think I'm serious with it now. The Mavericks need to move on from Justin Jackson. It, he is there are other options josh reeves is sitting down there two-way they haven't brought him up for enough games i don't think uh you know maybe do something on the trade market something he's not worth playing there's if if you've read the recap uh which i hope you have uh there's an incredible sequence in the third quarter where he is next to Bobon, and they're at about, I don't know, maybe six, seven feet away from the basket. He tries one of his garbage floaters, and he hits it off the side of the backboard. He's not <laughs> on the side. He's in front. I don't know. Like, this is one of those things that you see, like, like elementary school students do as they're trying to learn how to play basketball. He was one of eight from the floor. His only make was a super ridiculous three-point attempt from the wing he missed six floaters six he's just not very good and it's just you know they need to try something different because i i feel bad for him at this point because he he just he can't get it to work we've seen it going back from november he started off with two good games in february but since then he's been pretty bad uh, everybody else, uh, you know, that's kind of struggled as, as you know, in this game, they've had enough good performances to where I don't really feel out. I'm out on, on Jackson. Antonius Cleveland got a shot because Jackson was so bad, but then Jackson went back in the game because Willie Cauley Stein was so bad. <laughs> I mean, this was just, <laughs> it was a comedy of errors that really, that really unfolded in just a few minutes. So I just, I just wanted to get that off my chest. They're not going to do it. He's going to be a Maverick. I don't hate the guy or anything like that, but I don't want to watch him play basketball anymore. That's fair. And I, I think, for you know, it's obvious that it's starting to wear. I don't know what, if this is this is strong words, but it's obvious that Rick is aware. You know, when you go to Antonius Cleveland in the third quarter when it's still a game, like <laughs> that's when he, like, he knows. Like he's not getting anything out of Jackson. He gave Brokoff a chance and Brokoff has missed just a little bit too many shots because – Basically, when Brokoff's on the floor, like he has to make like forty percent of his threes, or he's just that. Then it's not worth it. And so he's just and Brokoff wouldn't didn't wasn't working out. Like he, I think Rick said, is uh, he's not at his wits' end, but he's very much aware that he is not 
getting anything out of his bench wings right now. And that's the only way Cleveland plays real mini- meaningful minutes tonight. And it's just one of those things. They just kind of have to weather the storm and it'll be so much easier for them to hide this when Luca comes back. Cause that's, that's 30, at least 30 minutes of wing minutes that they're yeah. missing right now. So that, that'll help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I would love to hear you talk about Porzingis because this is his third straight game of 30 points or more. There are only th- uh, uh, our, our good Bubby Bobby Corrala tweeted. There are only three Mavericks that have done that. I think in like the last, you know, like twenty years. And and Josh, you know, Josh Howard, Luca, and Dirk. <laughs> um, Jesus. So you know he's in rarefied air at the moment. You've seen more of the recent games. I had to catch highlights, but you know Porzingis was thir- thirty-two points, twelve rebounds, seven of seven from the free throw line, five of eleven from deep. He hit an absolutely bonkers step back corner three uh, at the end, probably like midway through the fourth. I think it was like one of those. If the game had been closer, I would have screamed at the television. It was just outstanding. He really looks like a different player, and I know we're gonna have to circle back around on this when when Luca comes back in. But it's I don't really want to talk about the Luca part in so much as I just want to really talk about how impressive he looks. Yeah, it's just a matter. He looks like a completely different player. Like, there's just no bones about it. Like, he just, his confidence, his mentality, the way he's, like, even the way he's moving, like, he looks less stiff. Like, that that drive he made in the first quarter for his second bucket uh, from the three-point line, like, where, like, you're just like, that just wasn't there. That wasn't in his, that wasn't something he was able to do in the first two or three months of the season. And... You know, I mean, you look at his his shot and his shot look like for most of the season, he's had a very flat jumper. And these last two or three games, like he's getting a lot of lift. He's getting arc on it. Like he took that three, you know, from the logo in the first quarter. And it wasn't even like a bad shot. Like he missed it short, but it was like it, it had some, it had a lot of good hang time. Like it was this, like it landed softly on the rim, despite it being a shot from the logo. And it's like, man, where was like, it's like a, 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 a switches flip. Like it's just remarkable how much different he looks. And a lot of it is, I think, you know, he's, he's moving a lot more during possessions. Um, he's being involved in the primary action a lot more in these uh-huh. possessions. Like I don't see a lot of maxi, uh, pick and rolls right now with whoever the Maz ball handler is. Like it's a lot of Kristaps pick and rolls. It's a lot of him moving off the ball. It's a lot of him moving toward the ball to go get it. It's a lot of him catching and shooting and just kind of being less reactive and just being more assertive instead of him catching the ball and thinking about it for five seconds and then doing something with it. And it's less of him, uh, you know, setting a really weak screen and then standing outside the three point line for, yeah. for 20 seconds of the shot clock. He just, he's more engaged. Like he just, it's, it's just, I don't know. I think that like, it's hard to talk about, you know, we don't want to necessarily talk about the Luca stuff, but I I think it's, it's, it's obviously it's less Luca. It's more just, I think his confidence and his mentality when Luca is out is different and they just have to look at what they've been doing these last two or three games and just apply that and take some of the tangible things and apply that when Luca gets back. And I think that they might have something special going on if they can, uh, keep him in this kind of groove when Luca gets back. I agree. And I was really, you know, we had a kind of scary moment in the game where he got just destroyed by a stray elbow. Um, mm-hmm. 
that he came back in and played was really kind of awesome. I, I just, you know, in a game like that, when the game was sort of out of control, he didn't have to come back in. I mean, you know, it's it's just one of those things where I think he he gets kind of derided a little bit for his toughness. Uh, probably, you know, within more casual Mavs fans and really the national media. But coming back in after taking a shot like that, which, I mean, really could have been a concussion, was was pretty interesting. I was just, just pleased to see him, uh, you know, have a good game when I watched. It's the other joke because it seems, you know, he's had these, <laughs> he's had a couple of really excellent games and probably like the four times this year I've only been able to catch, you know, little snippets of stuff. Um, Brunson also had a really good game as a floor general. Uh, He's, you know, he's always going to be a little bit of a backup. He's just not big enough to do some of the stuff that he wants to do or excel at. Like, he, he's just a bit. He's 6'3", doesn't have the best athleticism, but he's got a great strong base. He's got good instincts. When his jumper's going, his jumper's really going. And it was, it's been fun to watch him these past few games. You know, I, I just hope they're able to figure out a means for him to translate that into fewer minutes whenever Luca comes back. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just kind of looking at like, you know, things that we should talk about that were good. But man, the Mavs lost this game by what what are they this game by 14? And I'm looking and the all the starters are at least uh, a, a positive or Tim Hardaway Jr. was was a zero, but all the rest are positive. And I'm yeah. just looking at that bench, man. I know we just talked about it, but yeah, it was bad. Holy crap. Like uh I don't know, just in the game that the Mavericks got they got mollywopped. Like I'm just surprised to see the positive plus minuses for all the starters. Like it, you would have think this. Well, and that game, bad. this game drops Dallas to the seventh seed firmly, uh, which is a little, which is going to be upsetting. Um, you know, but with how badly they've played at home, I'm not sure it really matters. I, I'm just, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is them getting home court advantage. They're going to have home court advantage if they finish five through eight because they're gonna have four road games that's essentially that's essentially where it's at right now <laughs> you know and we've got a few games before the all-star break and the mavericks are two games away from tying their highest win total of the last including this season the last four seasons uh because they won 33 games three years ago 33 games last year and I think there's a real opportunity for them to do that. They play, they have a, a back-to-back on the road against Washington and Charlotte, each of whom is struggling. They play Utah at home. Then they play the Kings, who are also kind of struggling. So in these next four games, they have opportunities to to come out with wins. They just need to find a, a means to, to execute. So, well, I don't got anything else. What about you? Uh, no, not much else. I'm just kind of looking at the schedule and looking at the ro- the ro- the home losses <laughs> since the new year. And it's just uh, the last thing I want to say is that moment in the third quarter when, you know, they're getting they're getting spanked. I'm like, I don't know what it is like. It's sh- it feel how many times this season have we seen it? It's the third quarter or it's like the second quarter or something. And the, there's zero energy and they're getting kind of run off the floor in a big run. And it's at home and you're like, this does like, you know, they've lost on the road, obviously, uh, but they don't like, they don't lose like this on the road, really. Like, you know, aside from maybe that Toronto game, you know, the fourth, that fourth quarter of the Toronto game, but like, man, it's just, it's bizarre. It's not just bizarre that they're losing games at home. It's the way that they're losing games at home. Really listless. And I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. It's just bizarre. And maybe, 
Maybe when Luca gets back, it changes. But you know, it, it was happening before he got hurt. But yeah, that's well, the last thing I had. Really, I mean, it's the just, Mavericks do. I do think it's kind of worth talking about. The Mavericks put on a really good show for fans. But I've been to game. You know, I don't live in Dallas anymore. I go to games at other arenas. A little bit of what, like, what Dallas does is is kind of it's kind of coddling. And fan, it, this is, it's not just the Mavericks that do this, but there's something going on at all times in the NBA arena and almost all of it, you know, it, there's so much of it that's not basketball related. And so the fans are just like, it's, nobody's engaged. You know, I've, I have a fair amount of followers who get a little unhappy with me when we say, oh, the, the crowd's not great. Well, guys, like, again, I've been to other games. It's not great. I'm sorry. The, the there's just not a lot of energy. And, you know, that's why, you know, Cuban starts games later because he wants more people to get there on time. But the nature of the Metroplex is, is kind of hard to get around because there's just so much traffic. People are coming from all over. You know, I, I don't know how the team's not, how, how the, you know, the city's not more excited about this, this group, but I think they'll get there. They'll catch up at some point, but the game to game stuff, it's, you know, you can see it on television. It's it's listless. The lower bowl is listless. I, I don't know how to – we can't correct that. I suspect the kind of people who listen to this podcast can't correct that. You know, it's 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 just – it's it's kind of the – is what it is. I mean, maybe it'll pick up in the playoffs. Shoot, during those – during the game seven, Vince Carter three was the loudest that place I've ever heard it ever. It, yeah, it's, and it's I was there. Of greatness. And I've, you know, I've been in the building a couple times this year and la- and even in the, the bad, the bad years, the last couple of years, it gets a lot like that building can get loud. So I, I don't know if the, if it's the TV broadcast that, that can't really replicate it or if it's what, you know, you, it's listless in the lower bowl. And, you know, some, you know, a lot of people in my, well, in my mentions are like, yeah, well, it's all the, you know, really upper class people in Dallas that are sitting in the lower bowl. And I'm like, man, NBA tickets in the lower bowl are expensive for yeah, they every are. team. They really are. So, like, I don't know if that's necessarily an excuse, particularly for Dallas. So, I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's weird. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't. To be clear, I don't think it is a a a fan issue. Like, this is something that Carlisle needs to work through. I think this particular game is excused by the group that they were playing, but we know that this isn't the first time it's been like this. It's just, yeah. it's. It's just it's it's beyond silly. They played twenty seven home games and they're they're a game over five hundred. When as a as a record, they're <laughs> they're thirty one and twenty. They I've won. I'm just you know just a quick glance at the standings. They have won the third most road games in the NBA. That should be <laughs> no fourth. Sorry, fourth that's still most. good. That, that should be impossible. It's it just should be based off of how things have worked for all time. Anyways, we've gone on longer than we wanted to. Thanks again for uh, for coming out. And uh, Josh, I appreciate you hopping on. We will talk with you guys at some point, probably Friday night. Sounds all good. Right. All right. Again, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow of uh, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Everybody have a good night.